are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine, the Tennis Bets podcast. I'm one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter and all the socials these days. If this is your first time listening, chance starts how you found us. Welcome in. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. If I sound a little different, it's because I'm recording in a new location in my house. Uh, we are down, Derek, but we are still going from california to canada and i'm going to welcome in mr john reed you can find him at jared tweets tennis he does betting content for his own brand at tidbits tennis he writes for the action network betting expert hammer hq and he does tennis form recaps john welcome in Ooh, ready to go women's final is done let's hope for a let's call it higher quality match from the men's side yeah that was pathetic <laughs> to say the it least. was javor being javor man it was like that's what she does up a break in the first looking half decent like you know i thought she played better in those first six games than than a lot of people did she had a really sloppy game to get broken back but soon as that second break back happened oh man she hit more errors in those two sets than she hit against rabakana in three sets last year and she was piss poor because of errors last year maybe the the games went longer so there were more points but woof another final just completely thrown away by on shapur and then she has the nerve to cry like do you see a kid throw a rock off their own foot and then everyone rushes to like applaud them and console them when they're crying no it's like buddy you threw it off your own foot deal with it this is her two years in a row now but because she's so nice and so sportsmanlike, she gets all this sympathy it's like oh just ridicule her for her choking maybe she'll get better that way tough love is a thing john yeah Sometimes. i'm not advocating for bullying i'm advocating for tough love difference <laughs> i want to state that unequivocally <laughs> motivation this shit works <laughs> anyway um a little punchy here it's early on the on the west coast all right john well let's <laughs> kick it off with uh our accountability segment what did we win what did we learn kind of breeze through it relatively quickly as we want to get to the the match not a, i was gonna say the match of the century not of the century but certainly the biggest match in a while all right wins i back carlos Alcaraz at minus one and a half sets versus holger runa at minus 175 paid up for the juice and i tell you what it was expensive, but it was sweat-free, and uh, I felt good about it. <laughs> Catch that for me. Losses, we both lost on the Chris Eubanks-Daniil Medvedev match. He laid the five with Medvedev, and he was looking pretty good early. Then randomly had a 6-1 set in the second set. Eubanks goes up 2-1 for my plus 420 money line bet. Eubanks' sun run looked like it was uh, about to continue until it all fell apart. This is an interesting thing we could talk about real quick, though, because I was going to hedge and lock in some profit. But Medvedev still, even down 2-1, it was a pick, minus 115. So wasn't exactly a, a great price. No, like how nuts is that, by the way? Yeah. Jeez Louise, man. And You know, you made the right choice, to be honest. It's not a good price. You don't want to go out punting away more money, paying a VIG to do so live just to cover your ass, right? It's like, if you if you like the price on Eubanks in the first place, you would have, you should be wanting, you should be liking the price on the hedge otherwise it just feels like yeah well you got something back is what the other side of the argument is it's like yeah do that again over the course of three four years you're going to lose your shirt um paying the vig twice on a match like that unless of course you, you think that it's uh, mispriced yes christopher eubanks money line was not meant to be nor was it meant to be for an american to be in the semifinal. all right john well let's talk about this highly anticipated final between carlitos alcaraz novak djokovic after i talked to you about spotify for podcasters all right, John, as I said, not necessarily the match of the century, but certainly the biggest match in a while. I would say even bigger, more anticipated than their French Open matchup. Just 
a couple months ago. I think the prestige of Wimbledon, I think that there's not other sports happening, drawing a few more eyes and a little bit more attention to this than that match. Carlos Alcaraz is a plus 165 dog on Bovada. Novak Djokovic is minus 195 on the money line as the favorite. The game spread is three and a half. The total is at 41. It's about the same on bet online. It's a little cheaper. Novak minus 190. On Bookmaker, to your credit, you, you push Bookmaker. You can get Carlitos at plus 178. Not bad. These guys have met twice before. Alcaraz beat Novak in 2022 on clay in Madrid in a third set tiebreak. Novak won in that French semifinal I mentioned just a few weeks ago, where Carlitos famously gave himself cramps with his mind. <laughs> John, what's your uh, yes first blush take on this? Novak obviously hasn't lost uh, in 2.3 million years on center court here. Novak gunning for his eighth Wimbledon title, tying Roger Federer. What are you thinking here, John? Yeah, I certainly think it's obviously bigger than the French semi just because it's one Wimbledon to the final. Uh, higher stakes i don't know about the anticipation just because we had that so recently but it certainly is a, a bigger match especially with what with what novak has on the line uh like you mentioned that that eighth title plus you know once again being one step closer to the most grand slams ever won he's what cup two away now from from being solo atop that mountain as well he's got the most finals now on his own between either man or woman regardless of not regardless of air in the open air i think either way a lot on the line for Novak here. And I trusted both these guys in their semis. Uh, I did have Carlos. I, I went chalky, laid the games with Carlos at minus four, laid the five and a half with Djokovic. Very small. Glad I did. Uh, I thought that one should be about a six. So there wasn't a whole lot of room there, but I, I do think the five and a half was a relatively, like that does land on six relatively often. So I thought five and a half had enough room for a small play. Luckily cashed that. Not that it was sweat free. Center had plenty of chances throughout the match, but I just, I, I still don't know if I'm ready to back Carlos against Novak Djokovic, especially moving from clay to grass. You know, I don't think he's going to give himself cramps again with nerves, but I wouldn't put it past him either. And I mean, this is a tougher surface for him. I know he hasn't lost on it this year, and I know he's been great on it, but he's still not Novak Djokovic level on grass yet. And is he only three games worse is the real question here. And I don't know if he's one game a set worse than Djokovic. Now, of course, that implies it's a three set match. Okay, let's call it a four set match now your your three is becoming a little more tedious i still don't know if novak djokovic is going to struggle all that much with him i mean he did find a way to get into Danil's service games but Danil medvedev really after his first serve if you watch that match just their matchup in general it's a terrible time for Danil medvedev not just because of the point that everyone talks about he returns deep carlos is you know this year at least against Danil, has come to net aggressively knowing he returns so deep and when he comes in he can't get the serve back and that's his. That's a Daniil Medvedev issue. That's a byproduct of his style. Novak doesn't play that style. That's not a weakness for him. Then there's the fact that from the ground, Novak, like if you talk about the pace on the ground strokes, Novak actually gets far more on the backhand. And even on the forehand, Daniil Medvedev doesn't have all that much aggression to his game. Early in the first set yesterday, when he was actually looking pretty good, he did play his plus one balls relatively aggressively. He came to net on his own. He knew getting in long exchanges turn those points to, into 50-50 contests, right? Carlos has the power to end those long exchanges more, but he also has 
the tendency to hit on forced errors. So, but you don't know where it's going to go. If you want to hold your service games with relative ease and give yourself, you know, 75, 25 chance of winning the point, you want to land your first serve or you want to play an aggressive style that he just doesn't have from the baseline, right? He has shown he can ramp up the forehand here or there, but he just doesn't hit it as big as consistently as Carlos. That's a huge problem for him. Now, Djokovic may not have that raw power either, but he, he has so much more to his game in terms of the angles with the forehand hitting behind you and point construction than Daniil does, who just plays that serve and push style. Now, he does it better than anyone else in the world. That's why he's the top five player. But he's also going to struggle against elite guys because he just doesn't have enough offense or doesn't have enough like front foot first strike tennis to his game. And so Carlos can exploit that. That's not the case with Novak, who's barely been broken this tournament, who spots his serves very well, who has angles on his forehand that are tremendous. And yeah, I do think that angle an angled forehand, even with Carlos's court coverage, pull him off the court and take that backhand early, which he's more than capable of doing. He's got the best backhand maybe of all time, or one of them. Anyway, I mean, you go back cross court the other way, you take it early enough, even Carlos's speed is not going to track it down. He just does three, four, five more things than Medvedev to be able to neutralize Alcaraz's kind of strengths, or at least, you know, close the gap between that natural, crazy, raw talent that Medvedev just can't do. So I know he just hammered Daniel Medvedev, but the matchups are totally different. And this is Novak on grass uh, as well. So it's not just all those things. It's not just that Novak can, can find ways to manufacture points on his own without needing you to lose them more than Medvedev can. It's the fact that he is the best mover and the best player to ever play on lawn tennis courts so i have this one at minus four i'll probably be on novak minus three for all those reasons i'm just i don't know if i buy meta or sorry carlos just yet i see i've seen people in chats plus 165 fair enough i need at least plus 200 here like novak has to be at least a two to one favorite for me in terms of this matchup for me to to even consider getting involved with Carlos Alcaraz. So I'm certainly not anywhere close right now at the plus 165, even the plus 178 at Bookmaker. You can lay two and a half for only minus 130 uh, on Bet Online. I'm sure that's uh, available other places as well. So pretty good price with Novak. Well, let's talk Novak's path. He's beat Pedro Kachin, Jordan Thompson, Stan Wawrinka, Hubie Hercash, Andre Rublev, Yannick Sinner so far. He's dropped two sets along the way. He's been broken three times in six matches. It's not a lot. And, and part of the reason he's held so well, I mean, his service game is uh, vastly improved uh, versus his clay season. First off, he's cashing aces. He's had double-digit aces in four of his six matches so far. He had 18 versus Hubie, 11 versus Sinner, 11 versus Barinka, Rublev, he only had five. Thompson, he only had eight. He had 13 versus Kachin. And we talked about this in the last podcast of so why I liked Alcaraz to bully Runa a little bit, but was the second serve point one percentage. Yeah, tougher road to hoe here with Novak, who hasn't been below 60% of second serve points won this entire tournament. So not only is, is his first serve being a weapon, he's been pretty dominant on second serve uh, as well. Alcaraz has beaten Shardy, Muller, Nico Jari, Berrettini, Runa, and now Medvedev. He has dropped two sets so far this tournament, three sets since starting back on grass. Now, I would say Alcaraz's best chance to win or cause damage here is his power. The guy is absolutely crushing the ball. And his power was giving Medvedev a hard time. I mean, let's break it down. Service game, it does seem like Novak has an edge. Return game, maybe more of a toss-up. Power, certainly on the Alcaraz side in this matchup. And I do wonder, obviously, Novak has legendary fitness, but if that power could somehow end up wearing Novak down over the course of this match. What do you think about that, John? Well, I mean, 
nothing is going to wear Novak down. It's just a matter of can you hit through him, which is tough to do. And the harder you have to hit, the more errors you're going to hit. And look, the one the one knock on Alcaraz is he still commits. I mean, closing out yesterday, he was broken twice in that final set against Medvedev. He just broke back right away every time. Again, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Medvedev's first serve, once he timed it up, that was about all he had to keep him close. Djokovic, as I alluded to, has more to his game. I don't know if he's going to find those breakbacks. I also think that Djokovic is probably the better returner than Medvedev, whether the results the past fortnight have proven it or not. I mean, Rublev and Hercatch served out of their minds, so the return stats might be a little bit deflated or depreciated there, whatever the word I'm looking for is. But I don't think that he's going to have as easy a time on, on return. His power is what all he has, and, and that's fine, but it also spews more errors. I mean, that is something that has been a knock on him for a while, and he's going to clean that up over the next 10 years. He's still a kid. But it's as of right now, that is still part of his game. And that is a part of his game that Novak can exploit. Um, so, yeah, if you want to give the serve to Novak, you want to give the return an even kind of even par kind of dealing there. You want to give the the power to Alcaraz. You also have to talk about, as you alluded to, the fitness. I do think that is on Djokovic's side. We've just seen Alcaraz pull a center and break down later in tournaments far more often. I'm not saying it's a guarantee he will. I'm saying it's it's more likely if one of them is going to break down at some point physically, it's Alcaraz from what we've seen in the last two years, right? So that's advantage Djokovic. Point construction's advantage Djokovic. Uh, mental game's advantage Djokovic. It's not just like serve, power, return. Like there's all the intangibles, I guess. If you want to group them all together because they're probably not as important as the other, you know, major categories as a standalone. But if you want to categorize them all in like a fourth kind of box, those are all advantage, all advantage Djokovic as well. So I do think he... And I mean, the market has this, right? He is the favorite. He's not like, you know, minus 300 favorite. He's not, it's not disrespectful towards Alcaraz. I think in a way it might be half a game to a full game disrespectful towards Djokovic. Because even if you give Alcaraz a set, I think minus four is the fair the fair number here. You're probably going to see an overwhelming number of seven, five, six, four, six, three sets, right? So three, one in, in terms of, of set score you're probably landing in the in the four or five game region for whoever wins. And I do think, again, Djokovic uh, is the more likely he is the favorite for a reason. I do think this is a four to five game. Or, sorry, three and a half to four, maybe four and a half even you can make a case for. It all depends, of course, on the coin toss and who serves first. Because that first serve, like when you've got such a low spread, serving first in the first set, you find that 6-3 and all of a sudden it's a, it is a huge difference the lower that game spread gets, right? But but yeah, this is this is probably a Djokovic or pass kind of play. I don't know if I'd like Carlos in this in this spot just yet. If Alcaraz wins, it will be Djokovic's first loss on center court since 2013, where he lost to Andy Murray. He did lose in 2016 at Wimbledon, but I guess just not on center court. Full disclosure: I'm holding Alcaraz seven to one uh, outright from March, so I have that going for me. Uh, but, John, you've honestly made a pretty good case. And honestly, those serve stats are pretty staggering. Now, I obviously, Djokovic hasn't played the type of returner that Alcaraz is, and he is probably more likely to get it below 60% uh, if Novak does start offering up a lot of second serves. But I'm having a hard time getting on the Alcaraz side <laughs> and laying two and a half at minus 130 is sounding pretty appetizing. And it's the type of thing too. It's like like inner game, obviously advantage Novak. Even like superhuman game, like <laughs> who's the bigger freak? They're both freaks. Like like Alcaraz doesn't even doesn't even have that big of an advantage when it comes to that kind of X factor. It's tough. What about the total? You think this goes uh, four or five sets? 
Djokovic in four would probably be, at least for me and what my numbers spit out, is the most likely of outcomes. It's not a majority. It's like a plurality, if you will, right? So um, I, I would say if I had to choose one outcome, I'd say Djokovic in four. And I think four sets is the the most likely number it lands on. Again, that is not a definitive. That is not a guaranteed lock, you know, horse cock, take it to the bank lock. That is just a, what I think is most likely to happen. Uh, but again, like, I don't, I, I don't know if this goes five and it, I think you'd be hard pressed to see it go three. If you think about it logically kind of makes sense too. Like four sets is a pretty damn reasonable expectation for this matchup. Exactor prices. Novak three, one is plus 300. Alcaraz 3-1 plus 575. If you like the Alcaraz side in any way, I mean, 3-0 plus 525, 3-1 plus 575, 3-2 plus 700. So that could be a way to get up to a playable number for Alcaraz if you're looking to uh, to back the Alcaraz side. The the, the total is getting a little out of hand. Uh, it's at 41 now, 40s. I'm kind of not interested in that market, to be honest. I, I think this is a... a a pretty nice side market, all things considered. You you have a nice amount of games you could lay at a decent price with Novak, and we're we're seeing the Alcaraz side climb up to potentially a playable number. I agree with you. I, I wouldn't play Alcaraz for anything under plus two hundred. I'm going to side with you. I'm going to lay the games with Novak minus one thirty, minus two and a half games, minus one thirty. That's my official pick. Novak Djokovic seems seems like he does pretty well here at this court. <laughs> it's hard to pick against him, especially with the stats as they are. Any final thoughts, John? No, I just hope again, like I hope it's, it's better quality or at least has the quality uh, that we'd expect of it because it's very easy to underperform expectations. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's being hyped up in a big, big way. And for good reason, I just hope that they play. um, And I, you know, these two players in particular, like, Again, going back to that women's match, the Jabor Vondrosova match, I didn't have very high expectations considering who was involved, and it still underperformed them. I mean, if it underperforms, this one underperforms expectations slightly, I'm okay with that because it still means we're going to see some great shots, and and it's very unlikely we're going to see a match just full of errors and short points. Like, this should produce some fireworks at some stage, so I'm really looking forward to it. Enjoy it, everyone, and enjoy it as a fan first, better second, please. Enjoy the whole sport that way, but, you know, Fan first, better second for this match in particular. Absolutely, and we will be back next week for the the true degenerate tennis betting crowd and fans with Newport and Gestad and the 250 life is back, baby. There's three of them. Anyway, we'll be back early next week. Enjoy the Wimbledon final. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform until next time enjoy the final see you in the court